0: Hello. Hello. Ding dong. <laughs> they thought it couldn't be done. Ajax are doing it. Rüdiger has risen from. Welcome everybody to The Final Countdown, a podcast looking back at great finals within the game of football. I'm Lewis, here again with my co-host Adam hello <laughs> did you forget that we were recording no, the podcast? i've been
1: dealing with the trauma for the last 10 seconds
0: of i thought you were waiting for me to do the intro and i was like oh crap i don't know what to say good thing we've done 30 of these <laughs> and it still hasn't quite <laughs> sunk in how this works yeah. but uh so adam now i hand over to you to you explain what we're doing here what we're talking about so are you ready Three, two, one. Oh, it's the 1968 <laughs>
1: It's so the 1968 European Cup final. I say European Cup final because the Champions League didn't exist. That's right. In, in all those years ago, and uh, this is a, a particularly poignant final, and and marks the kind of end of a 10 year journey. So before we get into it, Lewis, what do you know, if anything, about the 1968 European Cup final?
0: Uh, so only really through vague recollections of there being a redemptive story, if you can call it that, for like the Busby Babes kind of thing. But that's literally it. I know that um, Man United had some glory post-disaster, and that's literally kind of all that I really know. I know the vagueness of it. Um, But other than that, I think this is a team of, like, best Charlton, Nobby Styles, maybe, for United. Uh, That's kind of all I can really think of. I
1: mean, this is 21 years before you were born.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I like to be a bit of a student of the game, if I do say so myself. (laughs) One of the most pretentious things I've ever said. Um, And there are a few. Yeah. (laughs) The list is long and distinguished. Um, But, yeah, past that, like you say, 21 years before I was born. And also not being Man United's biggest fan as a Liverpool fan, um, I've not really spent a lot of time looking into this. So, enlighten me, Adam. Well, let's
1: enlighten you. I thought what you did last week actually was good, so I'm going to make it up on the spot. In the world in 1968...
0: uh, what was happening in the world? Tell me, mate. Uh, okay. Uh, the Beatles were a huge band. I was going to go with the Beatles. There we go. <laughs> that That's my what my first si- made up one. <laughs> That's what the 60s were known for. 68. Uh, Would that have been Abbey Road time? Maybe? I was
1: going to say Sergeant Pepper. Somewhere around that. Sure. We'll just make it able to go along. Yeah. Uh, Beatles fans don't. Oh, I do know a 1968 one. Okay. I'm pretty sure Robert Kennedy was shot. Is that right? Yeah. Interesting. Or Martin Luther King. One or the other. <laughs>
0: Confuse Robert Kennedy, Well, it's around right the same time. It's is, not like yeah. I'm visualizing it. <laughs> no, fair enough. Okay. Uh, what else happened in the 60s? Um, they were planning the moon landing. <laughs> what well, happened the year after? I can't say 68. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they were planning yeah, it this year. You would hope so. You would hope so, rather than just turning up on the day and winging it. <laughs> Have you got the countdown? Yeah, cool. Have we got the ship? Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I've really been nailing this countdown though. I'm thinking it. about what I'm going to say when I land. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, so that's that was the world in 1968.
0: Enlightening, that is crazy. Wow, go. who would have th- thought? I
1: thought it was a good feature you did last year, but I, uh, last week, but I, I just didn't put any thought into it.
0: Well, you've got a bit of time before
1: your next one, so maybe you can. I do think a... it's better if we guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's also relying on the other person having an encyclopedic knowledge of the year that they're talking I about. Thought we did right there, mate. If I'm honest well on 68 yeah <laughs> yeah sure all the we, years around it in the, yeah in the room that me and you're in mm. i think we're happy with that whether england audience, were world it. champions yes yes we would have been now we're talking there you go which is where my love for nobby styles is That's what, right. what a player Absolutely. That, that performance in the final is the macleay role before he was even McAleely. a glimmer in his father's eye <laughs> claude <laughs>
1: right so on that um Load of non-facts. Uh, let's jump into some actual facts. So, the 1968 European Cup final, uh, it was played at Wembley. Interestingly, uh, on the 29th of May 1968, in front of this is crazy a crowd of 92,225. Wow. So that's a that is a turnout. Uh, it was between Benfica and Manchester United as we've um, uh, touched on um, so interesting and important to note Benfica they had they were a European powerhouse in uh, 62 and 63 yeah that's won. right they reached four finals in seven years won it twice um, they had Portuguese powerhouse Eusebio Eusebio who um, if you've ever watched any highlights of the 66 um, World Cup you will know all about Eusebio top scorer um, yeah just unbelievable player and just such a good finisher Uh, for someone who wasn't particularly tall he also was really good in the air yeah very powerful striker incredibly good one of the greats yeah so uh, to illustrate that he scored six times in the run to the final for Benfica uh, and seemingly impossible to stop uh, and a big part of the build up was about how United were going to stop and actually interestingly Nobby Stiles Uh, um, because he had done a job on Eusebio in the the World Cup Cup semi-final uh, which England had won at Wembley as well uh, Contrast United had three European Players of the Year, uh, Player of the Years, Players of the Year. We'll go with the first one, sure. Uh, in George Best, Dennis Law, and Bobby Charlton, which is quite unusual. Yeah, very three unusual. European Players uh, of the Year in the same team. We can't go too far with setting the scene of what this final represented. Um, so, if you don't know, um, then. I don't know how you don't know if you're a football fan, but anyway. Uh, the f- story of this final was what had happened 10 years before uh, in Munich. Uh, and I learned a little bit about this. I thought it was a final they were travelling from when the airplane, the United team that were on, went down. It yeah, that was my assumption. Yeah, it was a quarterfinal. So February 1958, uh, United were travelling back from a European Cup quarterfinal victory. Uh, and they crashed, their airplane crashed, their team and all the staff Um, crashed over munich um, and it claimed 23 lives including those of eight of the first team players
0: here is the news so far we know there are 23 survivors after manchester united's air crash at munich this afternoon the aircraft was a twin-engined elizabethan on charter from bea it was returning from belgrade where manchester united had entered the semi-final of the european cup it had reached munich and was just taking off for home in poor weather when the crash came at three o'clock, it plunged from about 60 feet, bursting into flames near houses. Rescuers fought to recover people from the blazing fuselage. The firefighters also had to contend with houses set on fire by the plane.
1: So nothing else really compares in terms of a like a top-level world-renowned uh, sports team um, being essentially wiped out. In, 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 a, in a night. And it's probably why, even now, it's still, you know, what are we talking 60, 70 years on? And it's still uh, very much recognised, very much remembered. Um, still, you know, like, like I said, I doubt there's a football fan that doesn't really know about the Munich Air disaster, um, such as similar, I guess, with Hillsborough yeah, and Hysel and things like that. It just travels through generations, the knowledge of it. Interestingly and importantly, uh, a young Ford named Bobby Charlton was on the crash, was on the plane.
0: Literally, never knew he was on the plane. Yeah, he survived. Yeah,
1: he survived the crash. Um, I didn't
0: think he would be old enough. I didn't realize he was. He part was of very it. young. Yeah, I had no but he idea was a part he of the was team. On the plane. Wow.
1: So he survived. Matt Busby he was the manager. Um, he barely survived. He was actually given the last rights three times um, oh in God. hospital, but he incredibly and eventually recovered, if you can say that. He recovered enough to return to rebuild the team, um, but he was never physically yeah right after that point, and very much kind of. um I don't know scrambled to this period of time sure. uh, and we'll cover that and, and, and his exit uh, in 1963 so only five years after the the essentially they had to rebuild the entire team um, so eight of their first team uh, had died they won the FA Cup in 1963 in 1965 they won the league seven years later Amazing. in 1967 they won the league incredible turnaround yeah. do you think about a, a, you know it's difficult to compare because we're talking about lives but you talk talk about taking out eight of Man City's team now
0: in an era where you couldn't just buy replacements right. like you, that's that's you grew a team if man days, city yeah. managed to have eight of their players banned let's say yeah they would just buy in another more because they can yeah, afford true. That. yeah good so point. It, it's yeah. building up like you say not just um yeah. replacements but yeah it's, it's just incredible yeah
1: so it's um kind of the legend uh, became known as busby's babes um Uh, After the crash, interestingly, uh, that nickname seemed inappropriate. So a new name was sought. And I didn't know this. English rugby club Salford had toured France in the 30s wearing red shirts and became known as the Red Devils. Um, They began, uh, so United began using that instead of Busby's Babes. Uh, and by 1970, the badge of the club had been redesigned with a devil in the centre holding a pitchfork. I
0: had no idea that's no, where no it right. came from. Really interesting. So that was as
1: a result of, we can't keep saying Buzzer's yeah. babes, it's too heartbreaking, or however you want to say it. So the Red Devils uh, was born kind of throughout this period of time. Um, they had, interestingly, this is um, props to the good old FA, um, United had been invited to play in the following season's European Cup, uh, following the Munich air crash in 59, they were invited to play. But the FA denied the as they hadn't qualified
0: oh my god take a day off <laughs> FA what is wrong with these people every if if the legacy of the final countdown podcast is anything it's that the <laughs> FA consistently are bellends oh they really every are. time they have the, the chance to do something good they inevitably choose the opposite like, what option. is the
1: point of that decision like who does it hurt yeah. really like
0: oh my god
1: Anyway, interestingly, um, and quite poignantly, this, we come back to this, Busby, Matt Busby had previously fallen foul of the FA for pushing and pushing the agenda for English clubs to be allowed to enter the European Cup. And something that he actually carried for this kind of 10, 15 years, and he talks about it after the 68 final, that he had enormous guilt wow. that, the, that they were in the European Cup on the night of the Munich air crash because he had pushed it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he had pushed it, and so he was already not an FA favourite anyway, which maybe went towards their decision, Um, so anyway, so that was kind of the setup, so they spent these 10 years, and in 68, they um, got through to the European Cup final, any review of United's run to the final has to mention the semi-final clash with Real Madrid, so I I didn't really know this, but the more I read about it, it, this essentially was the final that didn't, you know, they didn't make it to the final. Um, Just an incredible um, uh, two-legged game against giants of the European, even more so than they are now. Like, you know, it's not so much legend. They were actually giants back then. Benfica and Real Madrid were pretty much swapping the cup. Um, pretty much every every year. Um, so United won their home game one nil, but the feeling, undeniably, what it, that it wasn't enough to take to the Bernabeu against an incredibly um, powerful um, Real Madrid team. Dennis Law uh, was suffering from a knee injury, so Matt Busby decided to call up the 36 year old defender Bill Folks. <laughs> Uh, who, Amazing. interestingly, and for the romance, the, for the romantic, he was a Munich survivor. Wow. So he was called up, 36 years of age, who played a bit part in the squad. Will now play. Uh, he, he now played in the biggest game probably mm-hmm. of his life. He had, um, was playing most of his games in the centre of defence rather than on the right. He had been a right back, but obviously had lost his pace as he had got a bit older. Uh, and so Bill Foulkes stepped in to take Dennis Law's place in. You know the, the most important game uh, of United season. The game started badly for United as Real Madrid ran circles around them, leading three-one at halftime. Wow! Uh, obviously, then three-two on aggregate. United came back strongly after the break and levelled the aggregate score. Then Bill Folks uh, played the hero hero as he buried uh, a George Best pass through on goal. He buried it, breaking forward from defence. I no. love that. I love it. It's like a Sol Campbell. Like, That's I'm, just, I'm going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's that, uh, I don't know if you know the meme, it's the Hobbit meme where he's going, I'm off on an adventure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it, yeah. Uh, this is great. So Bill folks Munich survivor, scores the goal that puts United into the European Cup final 10 years after the Munich air crash. Wow. It was the only goal Bill folks ever scored in European competition uh, and the last of only nine he would score in nearly 700 appearances for the club.
0: Incredible. That's great, it? Stop isn't? it. Bill folks Brilliant. So Bill folks got him there. Some would say he's gone down in... Folklore. You
1: You know I got a lot of time for that, (laughs) Kojic. So anyway, United face Benfica at Wembley in the final. Um, Obviously, it was an emotional day. Matt Busby's journey finally coming full circle after the tragically aborted promise. It's worth saying the Busby babes were largely regarded as their European champions in waiting. It was a great team. So uh, it was a testament to Busby's. It was also a testament to Busby's skill in judging talent, uh, as the club had only paid transfer fees for two of the players that took the field on the sixteenth. Amazing, isn't that amazing? Yeah, like what you were saying. You know, it's not like Pep with his millions. Yeah. like it, it. He grew Just from the ground. He up. grew a new team.
0: It's nuts. That is incredible. Obviously, Class ninety two gets all the one because it's more modern and yeah. Stuff like that and talk about the class I too, but clearly the group that it, that Busby managed to mould yeah. back then is equally as well that's nine homegrown players. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it
1: is nuts. So on that and the nice setup of the sixty eight European Cup final, let's get into the match. Well, football ingenious, nothing less. We're watching a, a an alien play this game of ours, the likes of which we've never seen before. Okay, so in the first half, uh, Man United at home, essentially, at Wembley. They came out of the blocks, and they had the best of the play in the first half. Um, but Benfica's aggressive defence, and I mean aggressive defence, kind of prevented Best, Law, uh, Law Charlton from making the breakthrough. Some pretty full-on tackles, as you kind of expect yeah, in these sure. kind of games. George Best himself was fouled six times in the first 21 minutes. Um, it's like Jack Grealish. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I, I do. I literally know what you're saying. That is... <laughs> You'd <laughs> already said it. And, and you... also, <laughs> but also the type of fouls are very different. These days, it's a little tap on the ankle, like a little body check. Oh, no, these were, back, yeah, 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 back then, it was like, yeah. if you don't jump, I'm breaking your yeah. leg.
1: Yeah, it's... these weren't petty fouls. That's important, actually. Yeah, you're right. Three each by Fernando Cruz and a guy called Humberto.
0: Nice. Great name.
1: Yeah, great names. The the latter, Humberto, was booked in the 20th minute. uh, And so that was kind of like, this is a brutal day out for um, Best and Law, uh, in particular, who were fouled almost endlessly for that first half. Benfica's, uh, sorry, the 28th minute, Brian Kidd. Brian Kidd of um, Fergie's assistant fame. Yeah, yeah. uh, Jumping on the pitch and dropping to his knees. And Fergie looking at him like, come on, Brian. Also. Gone too far there.
0: Brian Kidd is still, or currently, one of the coaches at Man City under yeah, Pep as well, yeah, which yeah. is an amazing yeah. like, little crossing the boundary. So he
1: was only 19 on this day, um, wow. so the youngest player on the pitch. He passed the ball to Sadler, 10 yards from goal, but somehow Sadler uh, shot wide to fail to give United the lead. Benfica's two best chances on goal came, of course, from Eusebio. Um, the first was a free kick, which deflected off the wall and drew a, um, a save from United goalkeeper Alex Stepney. Important name um, to come back to. He then hit the crossbar, um, Eusebio hit the crossbar with a powerful shot, having beaten Stepney with what the Guardian described as the best chance of the first half.
0: Oh, interesting. Thank you, Guardian. Thank you, Guardian. (laughs) From doing
1: the job that we weren't alive today. That's right. Uh, So it kind of led to this sense of the second half has to give more because Benfica can't just keep fouling or relying on Eusebio. Uh, United have got to find a way to get best and law into the game other than being hacked. Uh, And so in the second half, United came out visibly with more pace, visibly trying to get best on the ball um, with a bit more space. So he was backing so off. He could, so he could run at. Right, exactly. Him. Yeah. And um, yeah, so uh, two saves by Benfica's keeper kind of illustrated that within the first five minutes of the half. Uh, Henrique uh, going down to his right on both occasions set the tone. Uh, and only three minutes later, uh, in the 53rd minute, Charlton rose highest to a saddle across and United had the lead that they probably deserved in terms of attacking... Sure, yeah, being uh, the most- Positive, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it was a great header. I mean, Charlton is one of those comic book headers, like, he it literally rises like a salmon. It is yes. that, it is exactly that. <laughs> um, and flick it to the far post, brilliant header, completely unmarked. Mind is the only sure. Sure, like, where were they? Mm-hmm. Um, but Charlton gave them the lead. Um, in the second half Um, but unfortunately United couldn't capitalise Benfica came back almost decided like okay the fouling isn't working let's actually play Uh, and And
0: also I guess that tactic only works if it's a stalemate once you're a goal down I guess you have to
1: of course Yeah, absolutely. And and that showed. And Eusebio very much at the driving force of that. Uh, Benfica struck back. um, It took them a while, mind it. They were were pounding United for a while. And then with 15 minutes remaining, Benfica struck back through Graca after good work from Torres and Augusto. Uh, And of course, it was Eusebio who nearly had the last word. So one all six minutes to go. Picture it. The best striker in Europe. Threw on goal. Against the little known, other outside of kind of English leagues, yeah. Alex Stepney twice in the last ten minutes, uh, six minutes, um, Eusebio broke through, only for Stepney to make crucial saves. Amazing, and these are worth YouTubing actually because it's like one of them, you're like, you like he couldn't get out of the way. Yeah, like Eusebio hits it with such power, he's definitely winded. <laughs> like it's hitting body him in, on the line, absolutely yeah. in the stomach. Like yeah. the ball, like it's it's like you know when you. You're just trying to hit your mate as yeah, hard as you yeah. can. And that's exactly what it happens. The second of them is the famous clip um, where the Portuguese striker uh, goes through on goal, hits a brilliant shot. Stepney uh, puts out a hand, uh, saves it, and then gathers the rebound before Eusebio can get to it. And, and Eusebio goes up to him and insists on applauding and shaking Amazing. Stepney's hand. And for anybody cynical out there, that is what Eusebio was like. Yeah. There was no kind of like 21st century pettiness. No. He was like can't believe that save that's brilliant
0: incredible.
1: well done
0: when he could have won that match to like that
1: uh, and that's quite a uh, famous clip but anyway that was kind of Benfica's last chance to win the game the game goes to extra time one all actual extra time not our fake extra time mate. <laughs> uh, and in the third minute of the additional period Stepney took a long goal kick uh, which was headed on by Brian Kidd and collected by Bess this is quite a famous clip as well if you know this he gets in front of the last man sells an unbelievably beautiful dummy to the like just Pele level just yeah. the keeper looks like a fool goes around him and rolls the ball into the net like he's a primary school kid Yeah, like I've just done it in front of all my mates it is that
0: but that's Nonchalant. how best played on it. Was it was so like, casual. Yeah.
1: He just literally, he might as well have got down his knees and headed the ball <laughs> over the line. It was great stuff. It was quintessentially George Best. The Guardian described it. I completely agree with that. And they're 2-1 up uh, in the third minute of extra time and United never looked back. And Amazing. Benfica are never in the game again. Uh, the next six minutes... A game that had been so close and so tense and so uh, aggressive uh, emphatically was settled in the next six minutes. Uh, David Sadler, header, is saved by Henrique only for Brian Kidd to head in the rebound. And then in the 99th minute, unbelievably poignantly, Bobby Charlton brilliantly finishes a kid cross to make it 4-1. Oh, wow. To say it was emotional at Wembley at the end was an understatement. The footage of the, of the United staff and players on the pitch is... Even for someone that wasn't alive and didn't live through it, I've watched it actually with my dad and he said, oh, it's quiet, it brings it all back. Yeah. He watched it live. Wow. Um, my dad got a job in a TV, selling TV store, mm-hmm. so he could watch all the big games.
0: Of course he did. Just a legend. Legend. Yeah. Absolute watched legend. Watched the
1: 66 Cup final on a shift. He was paid to watch England win the World Incredible. Cup.
0: Incredible. <laughs> your dad is the uh, he's the master of the long con. That's he it. knows yeah. exactly what he's doing. Who he wants to well, work Saturday? Played. I will. Yeah. <laughs> No customers, everyone else is watching the World Cup. Absolutely amazing. So,
1: uh, yeah, emotional scenes. A 10-year rebuilding had come to fruition. Charlton, who had obviously survived the air disaster 10 years before in floods of tears at the final whistle, embracing Matt Busby, bit more of a hardened northerner. There's some good uh, clips or interviews from him, which we'll get into in a second. But he's a bit more together. But Bobby Charlton is all over the place. Um, Bill mm-hmm. Foulkes is there. You mm-hmm. can see him. Obviously, he had got on there. Didn't play on the night, but he got on there. And then George Best and Dennis Law and you know the rest of this amazing United team that Busby had put together. And interestingly, just before we head into our extra time, for the first time in history, an English club was champions of Europe.
0: Is that right? Yeah. I hadn't realised that was the first yeah. time. It's not wow. the first British
1: club. Celtic had yeah, won it sure. the year before. The Lisbon Lions. Um, yeah, that's right. But the first English club, obviously in some people's heads, it was 10 years later than it should have been. Um, but yeah, Man United had done it, and yeah, the romance of football sometimes just gets it bang
0: on. You like, gave me goosebumps thinking about it, like yeah. all club rivalries aside, what a story, and yeah. you can't help but just be elated for them, exactly. like, so well-deserved, exactly. so well-earned. But I, I also didn't realise 4-1, that is an emphatic victory, I know yeah. it went to extra time, but I didn't realise it was that higher a scoreline.
1: One of those games, I think, where it was it doesn't really, the full-time doesn't represent what happened. No. Um, especially with Stepney's saves in the last six minutes, could have been a completely different history. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the end, you know, United hold them out, and players like Best, who just never stop, just were too much for you know for yeah. knackered Portuguese defenders in extra time. So with that, let's go to extra time. Well, you have just witnessed ninety of the most gripping minutes of European football you will ever, ever see the good news is there's more to come. So for Bobby Charlton, it was the end of something um, incredibly emotional. As he wrote in his autobiography, he said, To be perfectly honest, I cannot tell you uh, my my precise feelings at that moment. Fatigue, certainly. I do recall what it meant to embrace teammates like Bill Folks, Nobby Styles, Shay Brennan, who had been involved for so long. And maybe especially Bill Fokes because like me, he had been on that snowy airfield that night in Munich and seen our, seen our team, our friends, destroyed which is just, oh, it's full-on um, clip of his autobiography. He went on to say, I know there was an understanding that something was over, something that had dominated our lives for so long. I walked into the dressing room and downed two bottles of beer. I have never done that before, and I had ne- I never did it since.
0: Wow. Incredible, yeah, amazing. Just, there was Absolutely
1: something about amazing. that night. Uh, John Ashton, one of the players that day, um, had his had a son, George, John Ashton Jr., who made the recent biopic Busby, which I think is on Amazon Prime. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's worth a watch, actually, which tells the story. I didn't know John Ashton was the son. John Ashton Jr. was the son of one of the players at the 68th yeah. uh, final. He recalled the night they won the Eurofinal. We were back at the hotel and there was a celebration going on, but Bobby Charlton and Billy Fox had both gone to bed, said Ashton. They couldn't take the emotion of the victory. They must have had very private memories of mm. the teammates they'd lost. You kind of get that. Yeah, too right. I don't think there's anybody knocking on their doors kind of like Killjoys. <laughs> yeah. Like
0: just Come on, lads. Come
1: on. Got to no. have their moment. Yeah. But above all, yeah, And probably rightly so, it was Busby's final. Matt Busby, the manager of United. Now an old man, still troubled by the injuries he'd sustained in 58. He cut an emotional figure as, as he was mobbed at the final whistle. And he deserved redemption. He had fought the FA and nail to allow United to be entered into the European Cup in the 50s. And then felt so guilty after the crash that he considered quitting football altogether. Busby rarely spoke of the disaster, but he did say this in 1978. The moment Bobby lifted the cup, it cleansed me. It eased the pain of the guilt of taking that team into Europe. Oh. Full on. Yeah. I'm like
0: genuinely the, getting emotional listening to this. It, it is. is. really... It's got... Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Ama- so, amazing stuff, though, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's so nice that you can only imagine what that guilt felt like. Completely undeserved, not that... As in, he didn't no. deserve to feel that guilt, yeah. but you can imagine that moment of release. And It's so nice that he had that moment. Uh, to not have to carry around the weight of it is, everything that went before.
1: It is strange, and you know, we're probably over romanticising because it, it's me and you. But it, there is something. There does seem to be something about football that other sports. It, I don't know football. It other sports do it. It's just—is it fluke? I don't know. Like these stories come all the time, don't they? Like incredible that it was United, it was Busby, it was you know a few of the players that were on the you know like the snowy airfield that night,
0: who then won it yeah. ten years later, and they were the first to win it. Just and, and Bill folks who basically had never scored in Europe, scores know, the goal yeah, that takes just, them through.
1: It, it just... Maybe I don't follow other sports as, as closely, but it's like, God, oh, do other sports do that? They almost reward the romantic yeah. side. I don't know, it's weird. It's strange to think about, um, but ultimately it happened. The 1968 European Cup triumph uh, was the first ever by an English club, as we mentioned, but it was also, interestingly, maybe it was too much after, but it was to be the last hurrah for Charlton, Busby and the United team. Matt Busby resigned the following year, Basically, unable to physically continue as manager, oh, sad. He was just done. Yeah, just absolutely spent. Yeah, I don't. I mean, if they hadn't won it that night, it's just crazy to yeah. think about, it, isn't yeah. it? Like, anyway, six years, six years after the win at we- at Wembley, United were relegated. Isn't that nuts? Like, <laughs> ten years to rebuild. Yeah. Six years later, they were relegated. Busby had gone. Charlton had gone. Law, interestingly, had gone to Man City. Yeah. Uh, George Best had moved on. Um his kind of career in a bit of a, a spiral as alcohol took its grip. So, yeah, this United team, ultimately six years later, completely unrecognizable. And then to finish, basically, um, just to link it back um, to today, they had to wait for 26 years for their nest, next domestic title and 31 years for their second European Cup. Crazy. Sla- it's
0: astonishing, isn't it? Yeah. That is astonishing.
1: But ultimately, and this is true, even for those two that we've mentioned there, the 26 years for the next. The domestic title in the 31 years for the treble, um, the second European Cup, the spirit of the Busby era was forever ingrained in the fabric of Man United. And you could see it, in the even yeah. in the Ferguson era, the Busby, kind of that mentality, that it's ethic.
0: F- yeah, ironically, it's what United are doing now with the Ferguson era, is they're looking back and like, yeah. that's our DNA, that's yeah. where we come from, this is the type of team United need to be. Yeah. Whereas Ferguson's leaning on the Busby era, saying... Yeah. You know, you have this in your DNA, you have this in the club.
1: Interestingly, it took them 26 years yeah. to refine that DNA. Sorry to any United fans listening in.
0: It's all right, guys. You've probably only got 14 years left. Might be a little bit of a wait. <laughs> and on that, <laughs> that was the 1968 European Cup final. Fantastic. Uh, thank you very much for that ad. And we will be here uh, next week with a look at Jose Mourinho, the special one.